What's up, y'all? Now look, if you haven't heard by now, Living Corporate is partnering with the Coalition of Black Excellence, a nonprofit organization based in California, and bringing a special speaker series to promote CBE Week, an annual week-long event designed to highlight excellence in the black community, connect black professionals across sectors, and provide opportunities for professional development and community engagement that will positively transform the black community. This is a special series where we highlight movers and shakers who will be speakers during CBE Week. Today, we have Eva Pulliam. As an associate at Arendt Fox, Eva works frequently with issues involving cross-border data transfers and international data privacy law compliance. Additionally, she has experience with helping clients comply with U.S. federal and state regulations that impact data collection, storage use, and disclosures as they relate to children, financial institutions, and others. She also continues to review emerging laws in the privacy area as they impact clients' data collection, maintenance, and breach procedures. Eva has been recognized as a next-generation leader in the Recorders Women Leaders in Tech Law from a pool of over 200 nominees for extensive work in the tech industry. Eva regularly presents on advertising, intellectual property, and privacy. Her recent presentations have spanned topics such as the European General Data Protection Regulation, online gambling, and social media influencers. Eva, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. Now, look, for those who don't know you, I know a little bit about your bio, but would you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself and a bit about your professional journey? So I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, on the East Coast. I started undergrad at Howard University, and I always have a love for the real HU. Shout out to I Howard. Finished it. Yes, shout out to Howard. I finished at Old Dominion and then went on to law school at George Washington University. Um, I had a great experience. I just have a love for D.C. and spent most of my career in adult life in the D.C. area. But once I became about a mid-year associate, one of my mentors shifted from our D.C. office to our San Francisco office. And I was offered the opportunity to come along, and I took the opportunity. I I never want to make a decision out of fear. That's one of my guiding principles. So I said, you know what? I'm going to not be scared to go to California, go cross-country away from family, and take the bar all over again and here I am in California having a great experience. I've been able to work internally at technology companies and just really get to get a whole new grasp on tech from a hands-on perspective. So that's been that's been my journey thus far and ongoing. <laughs> that sounds incredible. You know, I have a sister-in-law who moved uh, she went from from Texas um, and then went to Spelman for undergrad, then went to University of Michigan for the rest of her undergrad. Now she's in San Francisco. So um, it's interesting to watch her and her path. And so I, I would imagine, you know, your journey was is similar in that it's just completely different worlds, you know, like you jump from one coast to the other. It has been an extreme culture shift, which is part of what gave me the passion for CBE when I met Angela Johnson, the founder of CBE, and she spoke about it. The lack of unity or a united black professional community in the San Francisco area was a bit striking and unexpected. I'd been slightly warned, but it wasn't, it's a different thing to see it. Um, I found some really amazing friends and people in the community, and I think that CBE is going to do a lot to help bring us all together and help to grow the community. It gives you the vibe of um, 
CBC week, the Congressional Black Caucus week that right. I right. grew up with in D.C. So it, it, it's kind of bringing CBC to the West Coast, and I'm really, really excited about being a part of it. Well, it's incredible, right, because it's interesting for me, and I think black folks were not a monolithic culture, right? So me coming from, like, a Southern perspective, when I see kind of like what's happening in San Francisco on the coast and I see all these black people with all these huge names tied to them, I kind of just assume there's a there's an interconnected network or something there, but like not not as much. Right. And so that's why these types of events and these organizations such as the Coalition of Black Excellence and CBE Week are so critical, so important. Um, well, let's do this then. Let's talk a little bit about privacy, because I believe that's what you're I believe that's what you're going to be speaking on during CBE Week. So, yeah. When I think about privacy, I think about making sure like no one has access to my social media. People can't log into my email, but I know that it's deeper than that. I know that it's broader than that. So like, could you talk a little bit about privacy and why it matters, especially for black and brown folks? So I think that your um, definition of privacy is right on. Um, The privacy law is concerning all things that make you, you. And U.S. laws differ from European laws. European laws go a little deeper to include pretty much anything that would make you you. U.S. laws can be a little more limited in what's protected. In either case, the goal that I balance on a day-to-day is helping my clients to collect information and use it in a responsible way so that when you provide information that you know how it's being used, where it's going and that you're you're comfortable with that information i think that the way that the individual consumer or user of various technologies and those providing their information online and offline and paper um i think it's important that users empower themselves and actually read the policies and documents that are provided to them and understand what they're giving away i i would say that when i'm signing on for an app for instance, if they ask to use my location, don't just click allow right away. Know that when you click allow, you are agreeing to something. And I don't click allow for location or use of my video or use of my contacts or my camera unless that's something that I actually need the app for and I understand how my data is being used. Mm. So I hope that users will walk away a bit more empowered. In the black and brown community, I think that it's something to always remember that your data is being used, profiles are being created, but you know you may know nothing about it, may be connected just to your, your IP address, the number that identifies your computer that you're using, knowing that this user shops here, eats this type of food, searches for this type of information, engages in these hashtags and conversations, and that you people know who you are and that you're creating a profile for you and the type of advertising that you receive, be it positive, or negative for your health or well-being. You know, it's just so interesting, especially when you when you use the word profile. It reminds me of a story. I don't remember the name of the company. This was like like four or five years ago. But I remember I was you know I'm very active on LinkedIn, and I have a I have a very current profile. I have a headline. I have the image, all that kind of stuff, whatever. So um, there, at one point, I got an email from from a from a company that seemed on its face very legitimate. It seemed very established, all right. They kind of had like that startup feel, but very polished though. And it, the idea was, hey, I see that you're on LinkedIn. Would you mind taking, creating a profile on our page? Because our our website is mainly focused on mentorship. We'll pair you with um, with a college undergrad student, 
and you can help them as they prepare to graduate. You can be a mentor and a coach for them. And so he was like, oh, OK, I mean, whatever. And so it took me like just a little second and you could uh, essentially transfer your LinkedIn page to their website. Right. And it would just kind of like lift and shift it over there. Yeah. And so I did it. Like I, I clicked it really fast and said, do you agree? But I clicked, OK, then to your whole point, I did not read, did not really slow down and really read it, read it. So then like I forgot all about the website, forgot all about the thing. And so then like fast forward, like maybe three or four months later, I see a profile up on their website and it, it's it's not my name. But all of the work information, all of the career history, all of the skills and stuff like that, it's an exact copy of my profile. Yeah. And so I reached out to him. I was like, hey, you need to delete this, take this down, whatever, whatever. whatever. And they took it down. But it's scary. The fact that like that was out there for months. And I mean, it still might be out there now. I don't know. Maybe they just took that one version down. Who's to say how many uh, shells they made? Right. How many how many copies they made of that? Who knows? Exactly. Reputation control is a big thing, especially as black professionals. You are constantly mindful of the way that you are putting out your yourself on the Internet and and just in the world. So having someone take over the identity that you've worked hard for would be a terrible thing. So it's good that you were able to at least that you came across it far too many times. I think we don't even find out when your our information is used. Um without our permission well and then you know it's becoming more and more commonplace when you hear these announcements of you know thousands and hundreds of thousands of passwords were leaked um yeah it's it's more than common and it's kind of like we just kind of shrug our shoulders at it because i think this whole world like the tech world and just technology in itself is so big it's so hard to wrap your arms around it that i think it's kind of easier just to default and be like "Ah, it'll, it'll it'll sort itself out until you then get some notification that your social has been stolen or something crazy then you want to pay attention but it's like there's plenty of like little things quote unquote little they're not little but little things that kind of sprout up fairly common and often enough that we should be paying a little bit more attention i think we should be paying a lot of attention i i think that you know identity monitoring is one way that you can help yourself at least in the financial world um but then paying attention like i said to the privacy policies of what you're agreeing to so at least when someone's doing something wrong you're able to say wait i know i did not say yes to this i know that you should not have this feature turned on on my phone um you shouldn't have any of this information and sometimes people are using information that they you know they're not following the rules that they've agreed to there have been ftc and attorney general actions around that and those are often who you have to turn to when someone becomes a, a bad actor. You're reporting them to, you know, regulators to help you sort these things out. But the more proactive we can be on the front end, I think, is, is going to help us a lot more on the, on the long run. Um, as technology continues to progress around us, right, like, as you, I mean, it feels as if technology is almost growing at the speed of thought. Like, it just seems like there's so much happening. There's so, so many new innovations that are coming across month after month, year after year. Um, as as technology continues to grow, how do you see tech and privacy law needing to change and adapt, particularly around things like cryptocurrency? I think that cryptocurrency is a powerful tool that's still being worked through in um, in some spheres. You know, we know that governments are may be reluctant in some instances to give over control of the dollar. That said, where cryptocurrency is in place, and not just cryptocurrency, but the actual blockchain, the Bitcoin, the technology on which it's built, 
it gives a lot of power in the sense that it provides anonymity. And so when we think of the black and brown community and, and institutional prejudices that have faced the black and brown communities, we have to remember that sometimes, you know, we can move in a bit of silence and through cryptocurrency by trading and having finances and assets that are unidentifiable. It, would, it wouldn't be identified through black and brown until the decision to reveal. And that takes out some of the middleman, some of the potential prejudices that can arise um, when middlemen are involved. So I think there's a power to it, but I also encourage anyone interested in cryptocurrency to really research. Research the company or the type of currency that you're interested in purchasing. Research cryptocurrency itself. Understand the blockchain a little bit more. And do the work before following the fad. Um, I think that that's the biggest, the biggest tip is to never just follow the fad and, you know, someone did it so I'm doing it too. Make sure that you actually know what you're doing. Know the technology and understand the finances behind it and also understand the risk when, in, when you're doing any type of investment. But cryptocurrency and the blockchain will have a lot more to do in the future, I do believe, particularly with the potential uses for it. It can be used for polling and voting and a lot of ways when we look at the recent elections and how the votes got um, mixed up, we'll say, or lost. Right. And, you know, in Atlanta and in Florida vote issues, I think that the use of the blockchain could be a, a beneficial thing in that you can submit your vote. It's all handled within the blockchain and no middleman has any say in, in involving himself in that. No, I, I 100% agree. I think that there's there's so much power in kind of eliminating opportunities for bias, right? So a lot of times when we talk about bias I mean, conscious bias, unconscious bias, a lot of times we try to figure out ways to change the individual. And maybe I'm being a bit of a cynic, but I think that, you know, another angle that we could go from is let's just eliminate the opportunity for you to even be biased. Let's just make it anonymous right where we can. Um, let's eliminate avenues for folks to be discriminatory um, and let's make sure that, you know, where we can, we empower people and empower the most like objective playing fields uh, possible. Definitely. I think that that's, there's a power in it and that because the black community holds so much power and the brown community holds so much power. And I think that harnessing it and working together could create a very mighty force. So now before we get out of here, you know, any parting words, shout outs, any special projects that you're working on, anything at all that you'd like to you'd like to share with us? I would I guess my parting word is that everyone please read your privacy policies and understand the way that your data is used. And from a professional standpoint, I would say to just keep, you know, working hard and moving forward. I think that my career has largely been based on faith and intention and things seem to just work out the way that they're supposed to. Um, every setback has always ended up landing me where I want to be, including, I would say this move was an exciting and scary adventure, but it was definitely worthwhile. So I just encourage everyone to find a passion and work hard and, and also protect your data, <laughs> protect who you are. Hey Amen. You know, we might need to call this, this podcast episode, uh, protect your neck. What do you think about that evil? Right. <laughs> I like that <laughs> title. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, that does it for us, y'all. Thank you all for joining us on the Living Corporate Podcast, a special series sponsored by the Coalition of Black Excellence. To learn more about CBE, check out their website, 
www.cbeweek.com. Make sure to follow them on Instagram at experiencecbe. Make sure you follow Living Corporate on Instagram at Living Corporate, Twitter at Living Corporate underscore pod, and subscribe to our newsletter through www.living-corporate.com. If you have a question you'd like for us to answer on the show, feel free to email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. This has been Zach, and you've been listening to Eva Pulliam, associate at Aunt Fox. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.